the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dot com slash commercials. The following program is sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy shares a message he presented to the students at the Masters University. As long as you live, you will be tempted. In fact, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 4.15 that the Lord Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. Enticements to think feel, act, speak, contrary to God's revealed will, are strewn all over the road of life. Bible makes it clear that temptation is part of life. As long as we're on this earth, we'll face temptations from within. But how do we resist the bait and flee from sinful desires? That's our subject today on Know the Truth. Philip DeCourcy is examining the lure of temptation. We're learning how to fight the desires that lead to all kinds of troubles and even death. And there is victory for you and me as we cherish the promises of God and the gospel. Here's Philip DeCourcy to explain more. Try not to give in to temptation is a battle we all fight. In fact, Paul tells us, doesn't he, in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, that there is not a temptation that has overtaken you that is not common to all men. To be alive is to be tempted. You can't get around that reality. So I want us to turn back to James chapter 1 to look at the issue of tempted and tried. Because here James uses one Greek word, parasmos, and he bends it in two directions. He talks about the fact that as Christians, we can be tested. We can face all manner of trials. And those are often sent by God and permitted by God to test our faith and to grow us and to fill the gaps in in our walk with God. Those are good things. Not nice experiences, but in the end, they result in good things spiritually. But James moves on and he uses this word parasmus in another manner. Not trials on the outside, but temptations on the inside. Now God is not the author of these temptations, which he will argue in verse 13. But they will come from within and from without. And those temptations will solicit us to sin. Tests rightly handled will build our faith up. Temptations wrongly managed will bring our faith down. And so James wants us to indeed manage our trials well and successfully. Because it seems to me as he moves from the issue of trials on the outside, verses 1 to 12, to temptations on the inside, verses 13 to 18, it's a natural transition. So let's um, follow James' logic 
three things here. We're looking at temptation, the author, the anatomy, and the answer. Let's look at the author of temptation. We're, we're kind of where I just alluded to verse 13. James has a sharp rebuke for those who have failed to endure, which is his admonition in verse 12. Those who have given up under the trial, those who have not sought God's wisdom nor His grace to remain under the trial until it's had its perfect work in bringing about Christian maturity. No, they have given into their sin and they have said to themselves something like this, the test was too hard and it's God's fault for allowing it and sending it. And James says, no way. God tempts no man. For God cannot be tempted, nor does he tempt anybody. That's James's point. The test is from God, but not the temptation. So God is not the author of sin. Question then, who is the author of temptation? Glad you asked. James is glad you asked. He's going to give you an answer, verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. James wants you and I to know That when it comes to temptation and the sin that might result from it, God forbid, you and I are to take the blame wholesale. Listen to this, very important. God will not cause you to sin because he tempts no man. And Satan cannot make you sin. It's you being drawn away of your own desire. That's the point James is making James is saying you can't pass the buck. You can't play the blame game. So who's the author of temptation? It's not God. God tempts no man. It's you. It's me. Let's move on. Not only do we have the author of temptation, next we have the anatomy of temptation. The anatomy of temptation. Because in verses 13 to 15, James dissects the anatomy of temptation. James kind of picks the whole sin cycle apart. In sporting analogy, it's, it's sin in slow motion. You know? We've all watched a sporting event, and it all happens in a split second, and then we watch the slow-mo. And you see how it breaks down play by play, and tackle by tackle and movement by movement. And James is rewinding the tape and showing you slow motion how they got there. Three or four things, young people, if you're taking notes. Number one, the first thing is desire. That's what James talks about, doesn't he? But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. So here's what you need to grasp. Temptation is a desire for something that God does not desire for you. In fact, it might be something he desires for you, but not right now, not at this time. Example, since we deal with it a lot in our culture, sex and sexuality. God desires that for you. Proverbs 5, 6, and 7 talks about the joy of finding your own wife and being sexually fulfilled. God desires that. But he doesn't desire that for you in a state of singleness. He doesn't desire that for you pre-marriage. And so the issue about temptation is that 
It's often a desire for something that God does not desire for us. Either does not desire outright or doesn't desire right now. There's a time and a place for it. There's a way to fulfill it. So temptation is often legitimate desires, God-given appetites that we want to fulfill outside of God's will, outside of God's timing. Or it can just be an illegitimate desire from the get-go. So it could be a legitimate desire like sex, and we want it now, and we want it our way. God says, no, that's illegitimate. I want it for you, but not now. It belongs in marriage. It's like fire. Fire doesn't belong on the sofa. It belongs in the fireplace where it can be guarded, and it's a beautiful thing when it's there. It burns the house down anywhere else. But then there's a desire to steal. That's just not happening ever at any time. So so that's the issue here, okay? Desire. Let me say this before I leave that thought. Douglas Moo in a helpful comedy, and James says this, desire in and of itself is not sin. I think it's important to understand this. If you're tempted, if you've got a desire that's trying to draw you away, That doesn't mean you're a failure as a Christian, and it doesn't mean you're an oddity as a believer. Because every man is tempted when he's drawn away and enticed by his own desire. No, desire in and of itself is not sin. It's only when a person, by the act of the will, ascends to its enticement that sin results. That's helpful. Because Jesus was tempted. Yet without sin, which would tell me that temptation in and of itself, the desire to do something that God doesn't desire is not necessarily sin. It's what you do with it. It's how long you indulge it, and it's whether you give in to it. Isn't that why Martin Luther, the Protestant reformer, said, I love his quote, you, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them nesting in your hair? That's why John Piper, when it comes to lust, And sexual desire says when it comes to a lustful thought, you have about five seconds to decide what to do with it. Now, let's move on. Not only do you have desire, you have deception. Notice how how this desire works itself out. It, it It is a desire that's luring and enticing. Now, if you're a hunter and a fisherman, this is your world. Because these two words, words belong in the world of the hunter. The, the word here, lured, speaks of a wild animal that is being lured from a place of safety into a place where it can be trapped and killed or captured. The second word, enticed, it pictures a fish catching sight of a glint of something in the water, bait, a spinner. It takes the bait or it goes after the bait and the line and it doesn't see the hook in the bait and it gets hooked and cooked. That's the picture. That's what temptation's like. Our our desires are like the fisherman's line that's baited and hooked. And James said, that's what your desire is like, man, you, 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 that desire comes your way and it lures you out of a place of safety and you go after it like a fish after a fishing line. And the bait is the kind of thing you like. Some of the bait's just an ugly worm. There's just some ugly sins that some people like. 
But not all sin is ugly. It's whatever will entice you. And, and, and it's different from person to person. It can be materialism. It can be sexuality. It can be pride. It can be self-esteem. It can be, I want to be loved. I want to be admired. I want to be secure. I want to have money. But you're going to be baited by your desires. Remember, some of those desires are God-given desires that God wants to fulfill in you, but not now, not in this way. Or they can just be flat-out illegitimate desires, but those desires will will try to deceive you. The, The hook will be hidden in the bait. You know, when we were living back in the UK at Christmas, we pastored a little Baptist church. Some of our congregation would, would give us some gifts, and, and uh, invariably, we always got a box of our favorite chocolates. There's a great confectioner in the UK called Thornton's. If you've ever been in London or through the railway stations or airports, you'll often see Thornton's chocolates and confectionery. And their famous box of chocolates was called Temptations. Beautiful. Milk chocolate on the top. Dark chocolate on the bottom, beautifully packaged temptations. And so they were. And I've often thought about that. And I actually kept a box of those, an empty box, by the way. I kept a box of those for a time in my study because I said, that's exactly what temptation's like. Sometimes it's a brown bag, but most of the time it's a box of chocolates with poison injected in the chocolates. It's beautifully packaged. It appeals to you. The devil's a fisher of men. He's watching your habits. You know, they're watching all we do on our phones, where you go, what you look at, and the next thing you get, what, an advertisement the next morning and the very thing you were thinking about or just visited for a brief second. And the, cult, the culture does that, the world does that, and the devil does that. And when he's ready, he'll drop a line in the water Something you like, a passion, a desire. Could be God-given, could be illicit, and it's going to draw you out. And it's going to lead to number three, disobedience. We're slowing it down. Slow-mo, desire, deception. And if by now you haven't caught on, you're in trouble. If by now you haven't done what Joseph did and had arguments when Potiphar's wife said, come lie with me, I can't. That's a sin against God. It's a sin against my body. And it's a sin against my boss. And then he took off for the, you know, put his Nikes on and got out of there. You don't fight temptation, you flee it. If you don't do that, then you're going to do the next thing that you're going to disobey. That's what James tells us, doesn't he? Then, here's what comes next. Here's the next frame in the slow motion. Then, desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. As we follow the evil desire, we take the bait, we end up disobeying God in a sinful act. The interesting thing is, James uses pregnancy, conception, pregnancy, and delivery as his image. In fact, most commentators argue that the image here is of the prostitute, like the seductress in Proverbs 5, 6, and 7, especially 7, who says to the young idiot who's walked into the red light district of town, hey, come lie with me. 
My bed has got Egyptian linen. My husband's away. She's dressed seductively. She speaks seductively. And before you know it, man, he sins. And a union takes place between that young man and the prostitute. And James is saying sin is like that. Desire is like the prostitute that appeals to you. And if you don't run and hightail it out of there, if you don't fight that and you hang around, then a union takes place. And out of that union, there comes a child. And the child is sin. And then you've got the fourth element, death. The child is sin, and when that sin matures and grows up, it gives birth to its own child. Look at the language again. Look, when desire has been conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth, gives birth to death. I love the way one commentator, I like images because they help me. Here's an image for you. Here's what James is basically saying. Desire is apparent. And if you don't deal with that desire and submit it to the Lordship of Jesus Christ under the power of the Holy Spirit and and fight it with the sweetness of the gospel, that parent, that desire will give birth to a child, sin. And that child itself will have a grandchild called death. Now let me think about that with you for a moment. We're not talking about eternal death, are we? James is speaking to brothers. I don't believe you can lose your salvation. There's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. I don't think it's eternal death. I don't think it's spiritual death. But it could be physical death, couldn't it? I think only in extreme cases would be my guess. You got that going on at Corinth where some have fallen asleep and have become sick because of an abuse of the Lord's table. You've got a sin unto death that's spoken about in 1 John. So we at least would embrace the idea, hey, in extreme cases, God just might say enough is enough. And take you home prematurely. But I would go on to say, I think other commentators argue this well, we're dealing with perhaps more likely the death of your intimacy with God for a time. The death of your spiritual momentum. You know, you get going and your time with the Lord is good and you're walking in the Spirit and God's using you and that all comes to a screeching halt because you didn't handle the test. You allowed the test to become a temptation and you gave in to the temptation and even blamed God in the middle of it all. It could lead to the death of your effectiveness in ministry, the trust of a friend, the pride of your parent an honor of your family and your witness before the world. Because if the sin is known, you try and witness, I can tell you, we've all experienced this, myself included, hey, buddy, what are you talking about? What about that thing you did? What about last week? I saw you. So, so that's, that's the point that's being made here. Death results. We see what's on the other side of sin. Sin always looks good in prospect, but never in retrospect. Sin always promises more than it delivers. When you see that bait, when your desire goes after it, it all looks so good. I want it, I need it, I'll have it, and I'll be happy. 
Jim says, hold on a minute. Let's slow this thing down. It ends on the deck of the ship and the fish is getting sliced open. Hooked and cooked. Wasn't it C.S. Lewis who said, follow a thing through to its bloody conclusion? That's so true of sin. Follow it to its horrible conclusion. To its murderous end. Which is the death of your intimacy with God. Your witness before the world. Your spiritual momentum. Let me illustrate this and move on for the last few minutes that we have. Indulge me in my police stories, but when I was a police officer and a lay Baptist preacher back in Northern Ireland, I was preaching at a church called Lisnaglier Baptist Church, a little Baptist church out in the country, and I ended up having lunch with uh, Sam Benson, who was a a deacon in that church and also, like myself, a part-time reserve officer in the police service. And while we were talking, swapping stories, he told me about a day when he was getting ready to go to church and he got a call from the sergeant at the station he worked in not far away saying, hey, Sam, we're short of a driver. Can I come and collect you and we'll go out on patrol? Sam sent his wife and kids off to church. The sergeant arrives. They get in the patrol car. He heads out on duty that afternoon. And he says, you know, we came about a half an hour into the patrol to a, to a split in the road, to a fork in the road. And I said to the sergeant, where do you want to go? He said, I'll go left. On a whim, go left. 30 minutes later, another RUC armored vehicle arrived on the same fork in the road. The two young officers who were only in their first year of police service went right and about five minutes down that road, the IRA blew them to smithereens. There was a bomb under the road that had been dug and laid the night before. The crater was 30 foot deep. It was an armored vehicle that couldn't be found, and their bodies disintegrated. The explosion was that big. And Sam told me, as he told that story with some heartache, because he knew the two young men that lost their lives, he said, Philip, when we came to that road, we had no idea we were choosing between life and death. And we went down the road on a whim. It was the road to life. And those young policemen went down the road to their death. And James wants you to know when you're at the crossroads, when you're at that fork where your desire is pulling you out of safety and away from Christ, you've got to fight that. It's not going to be a whim. It's going to be a knowledge in Jesus Christ and the gospel. You have got to choose righteousness. You have got to submit that desire to the greater desire to glorify God because death lies down the road of temptation and sin. Tempted we will be. Defeated we need not be. God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond your ability. And with the temptation, he will give you a way of escape. That's Philip DeCourcy here on Know the Truth, continuing a mini-series titled Tempted and Tried. Philip recently presented these messages to the students at the Master's University, and we couldn't wait to share them with you. The encouraging conclusion is coming up tomorrow, but you can hear all five messages online at ktt.org. And thanks for remembering that your financial gifts that bring Know the Truth to the radio and the web. And when you give, you're helping us reach listeners like Wallace, who recently wrote to tell us he'd been listening to some watered-down teaching. His friend asked him why he wasn't seeking out a solid biblical mentor. That's when Wallace started adding the Know the Truth broadcast to his commute time. Now he's growing in leaps and bounds, grateful for Philip's rock-solid Bible teaching. It's exciting to hear from Wallace and many others who listen. 
But we can't deliver this kind of discipleship without generous friends like you. And today, when you support Know the Truth with a donation of $20 or more, we'll say thanks by sending you the book The Strategy of Satan by Warren Wearsby. It's your manual for spiritual warfare. Ask for The Strategy of Satan when you support Know the Truth today with a donation of $20 or more. Just give us a call at 888-644-8811 or donate online at ktt.org. You can also send your gift by mail to Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. And if it's your first time reaching out, we also invite you to request a bookmark we've designed to go along with Dr. Wearsby's book. It's based on Philip's upcoming series titled Speak of the Devil. The bookmark describes the three keys to overcoming temptation. Get this free bookmark when you call 888-644-8811 or go to ktt.org. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd, signing off for today. Come back tomorrow for more biblical tools for overcoming temptation. Be listening Friday to Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Have you racked up more than $10,000 in credit card debt? Are you barely getting by making minimum payments? You should know. The credit card companies are tricking you into thinking there's no way out. Credit card companies would rather you didn't know that there are ways you can become debt-free and you don't have to pay the entire amount you owe. There are debt relief programs that help people like you escape overwhelming credit card debt. National Debt Relief has helped tens of thousands of people just like you reduce more than $500 million of debt. National Debt Relief has helped so many people, they're A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. You don't have to declare bankruptcy or take out a consolidation loan. You have the right to settle your debt for a mere fraction of what you owe. Reduce a portion of your debt now. Call National Debt Relief at 800-518-4020. 800-518-4020. That's 800- Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.